Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Hi, it's uh, Tim Beadle back again with my friend uh, Darren Ride on the Disciple Makers. This is our podcast to communicate our passion about uh, obeying Jesus' commission to go into the world and make disciples who make disciples. Today, we're going to focus on the whole topic of discipleship pathways. Uh, Darren, you mentioned uh, when you go online, you find a lot of interest in people asking about discipleship pathways. Uh, what's your good reaction to that? Yeah, it is. It's, you know, it's a, it's a phrase actually that searched on Google a little bit. It's the kind of thing people think of when they think about, you know, discipleship or disciple making in churches. And we, we've, we've distinguished between discipleship and disciple making. But I think what happens, Tim, is that Christian leaders in churches know they should be doing something more in terms of making disciples. And, you know, I believe the, the basic purpose of the church is to make disciples. And a lot of churches, when they do an analysis, realize it's not really happening. And so the, I think the, the, the gut reaction or the knee-jerk reaction is let's, let's create a pathway, let's create a process, maybe even a curriculum, discipleship that, that moves people down a pathway to a certain point of time. And, and, and I, I appreciate the heart behind it, but I, but I think sometimes it's... Um, a, it's seen as a little bit more structured and programmed, I think, than disciple making can be. And and B, my question is if if there's a separate program for disciple making, let's call it, what's the rest of the church doing? You know, yeah. shouldn't the church as a whole be a disciple making or discipleship pathway? Yeah, I think uh, you know that term pathway talks about a journey that people want to take, and I and I think uh, people come up uh, with this understanding that um, we're sort of static. Like we have these programs in the church, like the traditional ones, you know, Sunday school and then teens and uh, small group Bible studies and things like that. But I I don't really think that the average church is uh, really bearing the fruits that those who are spiritually sensitive to Jesus' uh, command to to go and make disciples of all nations, they're just not seeing it in their life and in, in, in the experience of their church. Um, how do you respond to that? Yeah. Well, again, I think, I think we need to affirm the heart. I think we, we need to affirm there's, there's, there's people who are in ministry who went into ministry for all the right reasons who are, who want to do what Jesus is calling them to do and be what Jesus is calling them to be. And, and we find ourselves as pastors in a, in a pre-built structure, you know, a structure that's been around, you know, in our Western culture for quite a while, uh, you know, decades and decades. And we're, we're put into this structure that is Sunday weekend centric, a structure that is, uh, has a lot of expectations to it, you know, increasing consumerism and laissez-faire, you know, as, as one of my old profs used to call it cafeteria style Christianity, where you pick a little from here and there. And so within that context, we have these good hearted leaders trying to figure out how to, how to, quote, do church, how to do discipleship, and, and maybe even how to make disciples. And the, the, in a lot of ways, our hands are tied. We're, we're hobbled by that structure. And so a pathway is like, okay, that's something we can get away with because it's like another program. We understand that. And we try to kind of squeeze it in and hope that we get good uptake on it. Yeah, I think, I think one of the challenges 
is that uh, historically, because most of the faith community gather uh, for weekend services and uh, all the effort that is put into uh, that event, if you want to call worship an event, uh, everything else around the church becomes secondary because that's, that, that's where all your focus is. Uh, that that that's where you're collecting the offering, right? <laughs> that, that's where you collect the money, and and if you aren't keeping those people happy, uh, if they're not being fed, as some of them uh, continually say, uh, then then maybe they'll go and look uh, somewhere else to be fed. So, unfortunately, I, I totally agree with you. Is that the the premise of the local church obviously is for fellowship, for care, for the members. Um, and, and those who gather, you know, the, the ecclesia, the, the, the called out ones from society, uh, you know, we are to look after each other. Uh, but the, the church was never to be a holy huddle. Uh, if anything, as someone has said, it's supposed to be a house for the harvest. Mm. Uh, but even if it is a house for the harvest and, and, and you have, uh, you know, the, this uh, harvest of, of new believers and baby Christians, you have to do something with them. Uh, otherwise, uh, the, the entire experience of church will go sideways really quickly. So historically, we've put people into programs uh, for crowd control and also to keep track of people. Uh, you know, as, as churches get bigger, it's, it's hard. You know, you get above 150 in complexity and just organizational structure uh, fits in. If you ever read any of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point and other books like that, after 150 people, either churches will add staff or uh, things will get complex and they start losing track of people, mm. uh, which we don't want to do in the family. Like when you're part of a family, you know, can you imagine losing track of people on your family tree? Like, like that would not go well, uh, but that's what happens. And so what we do is we put people into programs to keep people organized and structured. And, but unfortunately, when we put people into programs, we assume that simply because we can keep track of them, that, 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 that something related to discipleship, which is bringing people to maturity in Christ, or disciple-making, uh, when people are mature, they actually realize their responsibility to go and complete this uh, experience with others to help them find Jesus and then grow in him. Uh, we cannot assume that is happening in our program. It's, it's like sending your kids to school, and you send them there for 12 years, and you expect them to come out with a diploma. But that only happens if... There are teachers who they interact with and really, really learn and educate and grow and mature. But uh, that always doesn't happen in programs in the local church. No, it doesn't. And again, it's it's not an easy fix. I, I think we need to recognize there there is a pathway, a disciple-making pathway. It may not be cut and dried and curriculum-based, but Jesus had a plan. Yeah, you know, sure Jesus did. had a pathway for his disciples. Yeah, you know, he, Jesus said in... in uh, uh, John 17, in the high priestly prayer, he said, Father, I've brought you glory on earth by completing all the work you gave me to do. And, and when you think of that, he hadn't died yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't that the work Jesus came to do? Well, well of course, he, he came to die for us so that we can have our sins forgiven and, and have you know, the assurance of, of going to heaven when we pass. But Jesus said that before he died. So I believe by that point, as you say, Darren, uh, he had trained his followers, his disciples. Uh, how to replicate what they were learning. In fact, before the resurrection, uh, uh, before his ascension, uh, rather, uh, Jesus spent, you know, many days teaching his followers the matters of the kingdom. If you look in Acts 1-3. 
And so they not only were educated, but they had seen themselves by imitating Jesus, how they too could go into the world and make disciples. Now, they couldn't do it in their own strength. And, uh, you know, the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost was obviously the uh, the empowerment that they needed. But uh, there is a pathway, as you say, that disciples can make disciples. Yeah. And, and again, we, we tend towards, at least in our Western world, we tend towards a content-based where it's about teaching. If you teach enough, do enough teaching, you know, a disciple is made, maturity happens. We know that content is a part of it, that knowledge is a part of it, but it's not the whole story. And when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, as you say, I, I think North American churches have stressed uh, the truth part, that, that we become knowledge-based. And the average person can tell you all kinds of things in the Bible, but 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 the litmus test is, has it made it from their head to the heart? And, and then from the heart to the hands and, and the feet in terms of doing something about it. And I think this is the big challenge of um, not only understanding that Jesus surely is the truth, and he is the only way uh, by which we come to the Father. However, how we really become imitators of his life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, uh, you know, probably uh, down the road, we'll talk more about what was it about the life of Jesus that, that, that gives us some, some spiritual mile markers that we can follow to know that we are on the right pathway, uh, sort of round circle here, in sort of like what are discipleship pathways. But um, uh, what, what are your th- other thoughts on, on this pathway proposition? Well, I think sometimes we, you know, we, we assume too often too that people in the church maybe will jump into a quote curriculum or discipleship pathway or a small group or discipleship process we sometimes don't take the time to discern whether they're actually started the path yet. And, you know, and I think it's pretty clear in scripture, you start the path with repentance, faith, and following Jesus marked by baptism. And that is the start of being a disciple, starting the life of obedience. Yeah. Unfortunately in the local church, you know, uh, when people are baptized, uh, then the big, the big stress is, well, you got to become a member. (laughs) Uh, and as soon as you become a member, then you're sort of in the, I, I don't like using the word club, uh, but but it is like you're in the family. And after that, it, it appears that the expectations for developmental steps, uh, the bar is lowered uh, drastically so that people can just sort of laze their way through the Christian faith, waiting for Jesus to come back. And, and, and my uh, firm conviction in these days is there's a lot of people sitting in our churches who are bored. They're, they're, they're bored. They're just waiting for Jesus to come back. And they're offered more and more studies and sermons and um, uh, knowledge-based experiences. But they're missing out on the adventure of making a disciple that makes a disciple. Now, I believe uh, that it starts with the leadership in the church. And, and this is where the challenge is, is because most church programs are full. They're busy. I'm talking about full in schedule. They mm-hmm. might not be full in attendance. Uh, but but the church calendar is, is just bursting at the seams. And to imagine that we have to now add something else to the church that is really, really important. Like, like how is that going to work? Oh, oh yeah, that's a challenge. People are busy, you know, and, and it's, you know, I remember when I started ministry in the 90s, there was this, these predictions of this, <laughs> this vast influx of volunteerism in the church as boomers started to retire and of course, what happened was they started going to Arizona, at least from Canada here. And, and then a lot of families that used to be, you know, single income, a lot of the spouses of the, you know, the children of the boomers started working, both of them. 
and families get so busy and so full that if we then try to squeeze discipleship or disciple making into this mix as another fragment of our life, there is no room. There's yeah. no room in the end. Yeah, I always ask people, how much margin do you have uh, in your life? And uh, there's not a lot. So, so therefore, I believe um, that it isn't that we have to do a lot of different things in the church, but we have to do the things that we do differently. And if we understand, looking through the lens of Jesus, uh, to focus on how disciples are made, that then we basically have to do a bit of a, a program audit. Uh, you know, I, I've just uh, joined a new ministry team at Foothills Alliance here, and, and we're going to be doing a ministry audit uh, to see how all the different programs in the church align with each other whether they even do or not, and what gaps there are. So if we're trying to um, invite people to you know, come and see Jesus, uh, and they, as you say, repent and confess on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're saved, uh, what do we actually do with them in terms of leading them to full maturity, to the point that they will go and replicate this same pathway? I'm going to use that term because it is a pathway. Uh, the, the pathway is actually cyclical. It, it mm-hmm. comes around and then it picks up more people uh, the next time through rather than starting in a linear approach that we're sort of saved. And then, then we just keep walking towards Jesus and then we get to heaven. It's more of a cyclical thing that, that we go around and around and we pick up more people along the pathway. And then as, as we lead them around the pathway again, they pick up more people and, you know, kaboom, multiplication happens, you know, spiritual multiplication. Oh, yeah. And it points out the way you describe it. It points out that disciple making is not just about me becoming a better disciple or me growing maturity. Disciple making is about following Jesus and inviting others to join us and inviting others to join us and walk in the path. And there's nothing more exciting than starting with a new believer, getting them anchored in the word and prayer and, the, and you know, the disciplines and habits and rhythms of, of following Jesus. It doesn't matter that I've done it before. Yeah, exactly. It's exciting. Yeah, you know, in Matthew 4, when Jesus calls you know, his disciples, his would-be disciples, and then he calls them to a higher level, he says, you know, uh, come follow me. Uh, they were already following him in relationship, but now he was actually elevating them to joining him in ministry. And, and he defines it by this, uh, come follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Uh, so so that speaks about the 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 inert uh, capacity to multiply that we have uh, in our lives. Uh, you know, in, in in one of the last podcasts, we we talked about uh, Dawson Trotman and uh, his uh, uh, his article called "Born to Reproduce," and he says basically, you know, just like physically, we we have the ability to reproduce spiritually. So so we do. Unfortunately, in the local church, we've always looked to the pastors and the elders and those who are spiritually mature. Uh, to do all that work, and we just sit and watch. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm surprised. I'd be surprised if I haven't mentioned Philemon six already in this in our in our podcast because it's a verse I come back to all the time, where it says in one of the old NIV translations. It's a difficult verse to translate, actually, but it says in this in my big thick NIV. I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a complete understanding of every good thing we have in Christ, and. And, and what that says to me is, and, and the principle is true, regardless of the actual translation of the verse, that when you are involved in making disciples, you, you understand the rest of the Christian life makes sense. 
it, it makes sense why you need the spirit and why you need the word and why you need community and why you need to pray. And, you know, it all makes sense and gives a focus and, and uh, a sense of purpose to your Christian life besides just getting to heaven. Yeah. You know, when, when you look at the scriptures through the lens of uh, our calling to be disciple makers, you know, in, in, in the book of Philippians, it tells us to live up uh, and grasp those things for which we have been called and even attained. So, so we are to live up to something. And, uh, you know, perhaps uh, some of our listeners today are, you know, they're just frustrated. They, they've been in church and they're kind of bored. And I just want to throw out to you, like, like there's a whole nother adventure to be experienced with Jesus. Unfortunately, some of us are, are sort of learning about this later in life. I wish I could uh, turn back the clock and uh, just be coming out of Bible college. You know, that was 40 years ago almost for me. Uh, but there's not more exciting uh, news uh, when, when you read the Gospels in that way, that, that the Holy Spirit calls us to partner to live the life of Jesus. And because of that, it's an attractional lifestyle that uh, he will use to not only draw people to himself, uh, but also then use us and our friendships, our natural relationships uh, to see spiritual reproduction take place. Oh yeah. Right now I'm actually involved in a very part-time role in the church. And part of my role is, you know, this, this pathway idea, what, what needs to happen in people's lives to move them towards maturity, to move them into disciple making. And I'm the very first thing I'm doing right now. I'm in the middle of it. I'm teaching a three week evangelism, personal evangelism crash course, I call it because that's the front end of disciple making. And it forces us all into that place of God dependence of, of the need for the spirit. And it gets us outward focused as opposed to just being inward focused. And that to me is so key when it comes to disciple making personally, or corporately as a church, it's about looking outside and realizing it's not just about me. Yeah, so this is a bit of a, a wake-up call, Darren, you know, to, to change. Like the whole Christian life is about being transformed. Uh, the, the word transformation, you know, a metamorphosis, like that little uh, you know, butterfly that emerges out of the cocoon. Um, that's what our life, uh, we are not a stagnant people. Uh, we are continually being changed and challenged by the Holy Spirit. And part of this challenge is to grow into full maturity, not only in knowledge, but in, in a life response to walk as Jesus walked, because he is not only the author of our faith, but he is the one whose life we emulate practically, hmm. personally, each and every day. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, the path is a path towards Jesus, ultimately. You know, Christ-likeness is about character, but it's also about action. He came to seek and to save the lost. He said, if you're following me, you'll, you'll be fishers of, of people. You'll catch people. If you're following me, that's a part of it. And so discipleship or disciple making or spiritual maturity, whatever framework you want to use, it's about pursuing Jesus and becoming like him in character and in action. Yeah, well, that gives us a lot of uh, food for thought for this episode of the disciple uh, making uh, podcast. And we uh, invite you to keep in touch with us, send us your questions, and uh, stay tuned for other episodes that are coming your way. Uh, I'm Tim Beadle with my friend Darren Wright. May God bless you today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.